Bam dunk, PJ, was just... That was right there. You watched and went, oh, this is Miami's night. That was a bam jam. <laughs> you love puns more Come than on, anybody Mike I know. I mean, uh, Mike Breen should have gone, that was a bam jam. That's more of a Kevin Harlan thing, I think. Iron Eagle. Harlan or Iron Eagle. You know what? You're right. Iron Eagle. An Eagle. And that's a bam jam. I can't do an Iron Eagle. but Iron Eagle's yeah. best. Anyway. Oh, there it is. Or Nance to close the uh, the final four. That That's true. To, to make us all cringeworthy. It's right, like, right. Uh, it's like I and Eagle can do it and get away with it. Yes. Nance does it. You're like, nah, you don't. It's not the delivery. not the same. You can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, legend. Yeah, that's that's exactly. what you gave us. No, the uh, I think Ian Eagle's best ever though is when Kawhi had a massive dunk and he goes, "Oh, major Kawhi light!" I was like, "That was that's fantastic." That is an Ian Eagle right there. That is. It's just it's he's something one different. of the best. Yeah, he he uh, he's very good. Do you are there ever broadcasters that whenever they call games of your teams, your teams never play well? Do you ever have that guy? I mean, like everybody he... always says that about Troy Aikman. They feel like that whenever Washington's on, you know, Fox. <laughs> like that would be like the national game, you know, the big game. I, I feel like it's it, it. Troy Aikman's kind of always in that mix, but I don't know if there's somebody that I can think of that's like specifically in there. You clearly have somebody. Ian Eagle. Yeah. And I think he's great, but every time he calls a Ravens game or he calls a Bama hoops game, because of course he does. Call, they lose. They, they lose. They don't play well. Have you well. kept a, kept every... track of the record? I haven't. I think that's important. But it wouldn't be good. I do know that the Iron Eagle, the two times he called Bama in the NCAA tournament, they lost to San Diego State. They lost to UCLA. I knew as soon as he was on the call for that Sweet 16 game, like, we're, we're going to lose. We're done. We're, we're going to lose. Did you fade him? I wish. Oh, uh, you should have. I couldn't. Do you knew that. the curse was there? No, I couldn't. Do PJ. It. No, I couldn't take do the it. fandom and put it aside, my friend. Nick, I couldn't do it. It doesn't pay you. It doesn't the pay old you. Emotional hedge. I know. We've all been there. That's yeah. why I don't bet on my team's period. I just stay away. Because I make too many dumb decisions, emotional decisions. That's fair. I just half the times it's talking me out of my teams. Like, oh, they're so terrible. Or, you know, whoever it is. And then I'm like, wait, I should have I should have bet that. So here we are. Uh Heat. Nuggets now tied 1-1 going back to going to Miami for Game 3 in a series that looks so drastically different after Game 2 from what we saw in Game 1. Where Game 1, it was Denver did everything we expect from them. The Heat looked tired. The Heat looked like they just played a seven-game series, and they've got no answer for Nikola Jokic. This time around, they said, go ahead and score. And we joke about it, right? Make Nikola Jokic a score. Well, it actually does work. They're 0-3 in the playoffs when he scores at least 40 points. They don't play as well when he's not facilitating. The offense is run through Jokic. And if the Heat can continue to do what they did in game two, say, all right, man, go get yourself 40. We're going to stop everybody else and make it difficult for the other four guys on the court. Miami's got a shot to drag this thing out to six and seven games. They really do. It's, it's, it's impressive. You knew, too, you just could tell, like, in the first two, three minutes of that game, oh, Miami came to play tonight. Yep. And you got to give Denver so much credit because they took the punch. They punched right back. They went on like a 40-14 to 14 run at home in the altitude, and Miami was still able to win that game. It was so impressive what the Heat did. Uh, Nick, it's tough because Denver is the better team. I, I think most people would, would agree with that, but... My, there's something about the Heat, man. There, there's something about them, and they're, like, scary to bet against, especially as dogs, which they're going to be, like, every game in this mm -hmm. series. Game three is so fascinating to me. I, I don't know who I want to bet. I would probably lean Heat, 
plus two and a half. I don't really have any thoughts, though. I kind of like Miami in the first half. I think they get off to a good start. Then maybe Denver goes on a big third quarter, and maybe they can just neutralize the Miami Heat fourth quarters that we've been seeing throughout the playoffs. I think the total is also interesting. It's a low total again. 214 and a half. This might be an under game. I wonder. You know, Mike Malone's at the podium, and he channel, and he's talking about how he needs a better effort from his team, reading the press clippings a little bit. Everybody's telling him how great they are. Now you're going on the road. Defense, you need that to travel. You know, Miami's uh, home crowd will be rocking their defense. But not till the end well. of the first quarter. They all show up late. you got to remember that. That's true. So you do miss out on the beginning. That's true. So maybe Denver first quarter, because it's still going to be a bunch of fans shuffling in, and they're white. Yeah. And then you go Miami each quarter. Maybe, yeah, if you don't like a side, maybe just go quarter by quarter, live bet it. It's not maybe, a bad thought. Maybe Denver first quarter, if that's the philosophy of, like, Denver is going to come back and answer to what their coach said, try to up the pace as much as they can, and then Miami slow th- slows things down. Dare I say, could this be an overtime game, Nick? <sighs> you love betting overtime, oh, don't I you? I sure do. What is that, that right now? What can we get? It's probably like at? a plus 1,300 at or something least. like that. Yeah, at mean, least. Yeah, at least. You can get some problem is i gotta start scrolling bet mgm's got like a million things here so you can probably get some good uh good props on that i can see a tie so if you want to do halftime final you can do tie at halftime miami heat win at 25 to 1 that just showed up wow see but you got to get that tie at halftime that's the tough one could you imagine having that tie at halftime tough needle to thread (sighs) that's a tough needle to thread yeah but yeah this is it's, it's one of the reasons why, like, when you look at Miami in this, we, we, we've said it throughout the entire playoffs. You go, this is a team that just finds ways. It doesn't have to make sense. It didn't make sense from game one to game two. I wasn't surprised the Heat won or Heat lost game one, but they made it close to, again, they fight back. There's just something about this team. And the, the whole Heat culture thing may be played out in some way, but it's also something that matters each and every game where you look at this right now and say, okay, Miami's a dog at home in game three of the NBA Finals. But they got a chance to win that game still. <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah, I'm looking at the box score now of, of kind of game two. It, it really is just so impressive, Miami, how balanced they are of, of a team. Again, we talked about that, just all the different guys. I remember after game one, we all thought like, oh, this could be the Haywood Highsmith series, right? Because yep, yep. he was great. Didn't score no. yesterday, right? And they also and, offered nothing, which yeah. I'm kind of glad. It saved me from definitely taking the over on whatever his points were. They had no idea. They're like, I don't know what we do. This like, uh, It could be five. It could be 15. Yeah, What's played be? six minutes, getting nothing. And then Gabe Vincent, obviously, yeah. was terrific. 23 points. He was eight for 12 from the field. Struth chipped in with 14. Duncan Robinson had 10 off the bench. Had some moments. It's just Miami. It's, it's impressive. And then if you're Denver... Are you concerned about Michael Porter at this point? Yes. Are you? He's been a disaster since the first half of game one. I mean, he can't shoot. Points, and uh... you also, you got to think, you had Mike Malone after the game talking about guys being in their feelings and missing shots and feeling bad for themselves. That's, that's Michael Porter Jr. right there. That's the number one culprit. He has been, look, for somebody that you came into this series and went, this could be his series. Like, it makes sense. You've got that chance for him out on the perimeter. Everybody's smaller. On Miami, they can't defend that high release. Like this is perfect, and you started to see it trending that way early. And yeah, he had a double double in game one, but he barely scored at all after that first ten points. He, had, he ended with fourteen, mm-hmm. and you're just watching game two where it feels like he's forcing it, and he's trying to get back in a rhythm. And Jamal Murray's already having his own issues, and that's that's a scary thing for Denver because one of their big advantages was not only their size but the the offensive talent they have. 
that also has that size in Michael Porter Jr. And to a lesser degree, uh, Aaron, you know, um, Aaron Gordon, right? I mean, Aaron Gordon, we saw what he did in the first quarter of that game. So yeah. this, my, MPJ may end up starting to see his minutes cut. I, I'd probably take unders, at least on his points in game three. But at the same time, I almost just want to just stay away because I don't know what the hell this guy's going to bring to the table. Uh, yeah, and especially when you can kind of play Jeff Green over him and Bruce yeah. Brown over him. The thing about Michael Porter to me is Max Schroes has put up 10 three-pointers in game one and two, but it hasn't felt like his shot selection's bad at all. Like, they're all in rhythm. They're coming off screens. He has yep. good looks. Michael Porter, it seems like every time he takes one, there is just a hand in his face. Yep. It's contested. It's like the kind of shot when you take in 2K that would never go in, right? Yeah. Like in 2K, you only make your threes when you're wide open. When you got a defender on you, you never make them. Those are the kind of threes that MPJ takes. So shot selection's got to be better. He's almost like so confident in his jumper, and he knows that Murray and Jokic are going to jack up so many of the shots that he's like, oh, if I get the ball, I got to put it up because I'm not going to get it back. And that's just I just don't know if that's going to work in this series against a defensive team like Miami, a team that plays so well. I think, yeah, if you're Mike Malone, you got to think about playing Bruce Brown a little longer. Maybe you got to think about Jeff Green. Christian Brown gave mm -hmm. him really good minutes yesterday off the bench. He only made, shot the ball three times, but he was three for three from the field, gave you good defense. So we were talking with Keith Smith, and Keith said the guy that you can single out on Denver is Michael Porter Jr. when he's on the floor. That's the guy you can go at. You bring in Christian Brown, you bring in Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, you can't go at him as much. Right. So, yeah, I think you make a good point about Michael Porter. Maybe his unders in uh, in Game 3 and going forward might might be the move. I mean, 26 minutes in Game 2. He may see that the rest of the series at this rate. Yeah. And there's no rhythm, and that's the most dangerous thing, is guys like that take the rest of the offense out of a rhythm. And you saw it. You saw it at the end of Game 1. You saw him going 1 for 6 from 3 in Game 2. And it's just becoming... It's something that you can't allow to be a liability like you could in the regular season. Where right, you guys got to work through it. You got to change rotations. You got to change lineups. You got to do whatever you can if somebody's struggling that much. And I, I mean, on the other side of it, it almost starts to feel like this is going to be like I thought MPJ was going to have a really good series, like a lot of people did coming into this, and Bam was going to struggle because he was going to have to deal with at least part part of the time. Jokic, this looks like a Bam series. The oh. question is, though, is we saw this in the first couple of games of the Eastern Conference Finals, and then he started to tail off. Can he maintain that if this becomes a long series, six, seven games, or does he start to get worn down from, at least at times, dealing with Jokic or just not being able to find his shot or not being aggressive anymore? Bam's been terrific, 20-plus uh, points in the first two games. Yeah, you mentioned, I mean, they're, they're going to need his offense to continue. Moving forward, and I'm interested to see how Game 3 plays out. Nick, I wonder if this series is, if you like Denver, you like the under, and if you like Miami, you like the over in these games. I mean, maybe Miami can win a slugfest. Maybe they can win a game in the low 90s. It just seems like for them to be win these games in this series, they're going to have to shoot the ball well. Like, they're just going to have to. They made 17 three-pointers last night, only were able to win the game by three points. Like, I just wonder if this is one of those series where if you like Miami, if you like them on Wednesday, maybe you like the over. If you like Denver, you bet the, you bet the under. To me, it, it kind of feels 
like that's the way this series is is heading. The only thing to consider, though, is that Denver does like to pick up the pace. Denver does want more possessions. Game one only had 91 possessions, and that's a really slow pace for the Nuggets, and the Heat do want that slower pace, but they want to play that good half-court basketball where then they're still knocking down outside shots, but they're moving the ball well, and Denver wants to get out and run and play more like the Warriors. So I think that's the only thing to think about with it, too. I don't know if it's that cut and dry, only because Denver would like to get out and try and score more while Miami would slow down the pace and then just take a ton of threes. Yeah, it's a good point. And uh, again, with the spread being close in game three and the total being low, we'll see. But that that's kind of my takeaway from this series is I just – can Miami beat Denver in a game where they only score like 98? I just – I don't know if they can. I think they're going to have to score like one, 110 yep. or above, 107 or above. They kind of like have that. to play Denver's game a little bit more. I do. They're gonna have to play. They're gonna have to play good. All. I mean, Denver's Denver's really, really good. There's just too many weapons offensively for Denver. Even 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 with the horrible shooting night from so many guys in Game Two, you can go into this and realize very quickly. Oh, well, Jamal Murray's probably gonna shoot better. Like Jamal Murray is somebody that I would look at if I had to take an over on either Jamal Murray or MPJ points wise. It's Jamal Murray. I trust him a lot more than I do somebody like MPJ who's looking like he's kind of all in his feelings. Where Jamal Murray can almost forget about it no you know doubt. he's got what i always call it's rex grossman or rex grossman used to always do that it was he would forget an interception the very next drive it didn't exist jamal murray can completely forget about a bad game and get out there and he will you'll see him heat checking in the first quarter if he needs to no doubt i think kcp is a nice nice bounce back he'll need six points in that game too only four field goals he was in foul trouble the whole night fouled out so uh, I would look at maybe him bouncing back, taking his over. Aaron Gordon was two for two from three-point range last night. I wonder if Spolster and the Heat say, you know, this guy probably has a little bit of confidence heading into game three, thinking he can knock down these shots or whatever. Maybe we, uh, we, we, we get it into his head that maybe we want him to do that, that maybe he's overconfident and can shoot these threes a little bit playing right into our hands because I don't think Aaron Gordon's going to continue to shoot too well from three-point range. So... I, uh, but I do like KCP to actually have a bounce-back game in, uh, in Game 3. That's a guy I would look at. Yeah, he's somebody you – know, I mean, only took four shots. And he can easily be – I mean, more. he's that 3-and-D type player for them that can – when you need it, especially in, like, the fourth quarter, he'll knock down a couple of big threes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if there's anybody to have a bounce-back, you expect Jokic to probably try and facilitate more, especially early. That's what you look for, too, is to see if he can try to get guys in rhythm because you weren't seeing that in the first quarter. He took the lead after the first quarter in that game, and you just – Oh, like you said, they look like they're ready to play. Mm-hmm. And that's something to keep in mind here, too, is like what does Jokic look like in the first quarter? More facilitating, less scoring, just to make sure, hey, I got to get my other guys involved here because this offense this offense goes through him like it would Chris Paul in his prime. It does, man. Jokic is fantastic. I love watching that game. It's 